Travis Wingfield. I'm ready to go in, coach. Just give me a chance. I know there's a lot riding on it, but it's all psychological. Just got to stay in a positive frame of mind. You are Locked On Dolphin, your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphin, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Miami! What's up, Dolph fans, and welcome into the Tuesday, April the 10th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, Adam Gaze's biggest frustration with this past season was the lack of effort in Week 15 against the Buffalo Bills. Who exactly was he talking about? Also, we're counting down the days until the draft with a breakdown of the last 10 draft classes from your Miami Dolphins, starting today with 2008. And for the last time, I will explain why the Dolphins can draft a safety this year, despite rostering both Rashad Jones and TJ McDonald. But first, I have to remind you guys, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating, leave us a review. We don't quite have five stars because there was some lower votes back before I hosted the show, but if you guys could go in there and get that rating closer up to five, give us some more reviews, helps the podcast get out to more Dolphins, helps the podcast grow, helps me tremendously, so I really appreciate that. Give me a follow on Twitter, at NFL. follow the show at LockedOnFins, and check out the number one rated blog in the LockedOn Network, LockedOnDolphins.com, daily written content for you guys by myself, Jason Harina, Kevin Dern, Kadeem Simmons, tons of guys writing great content for you guys on LockedOnDolphins.com, and of course, the other LockedOn Sports fans of podcasts like the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. And lastly here, I have made the final round of the Dolphins Twitter bracket challenge, the best follow on Dolphins Twitter at Linkful NFL. I'm going up against CK Parrot today. Go in there and vote for me because I want that title and I want that hardware. Let's go ahead and get into the podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins and on first down of the podcast here, we are talking about the column up on LockdownDolphins.com right now called Buffaloafing, and it's in reference to Adam Gaze's radio spot he did with Joe Rose on 560 WQAM in Miami, talking about his biggest frustration with the 2017 season. And I'll just go ahead and play that audio clip for you guys real quick here. It's on the Joe Rose Show, WQAM 560 in Miami. I think it was more... Wait for that. Wait for the light to kick on, especially after the New England game. That that game at Buffalo just seemed like twenty hour game. You know, you we, I was just waiting for us to turn the corner and really get going, and we could just never. Nothing was working for us, and it, and just there was no swagger. There's no attitude, and and that was disappointing to see. And it, it wasn't everybody. There's, you know, you watch, you turn on that tape. There's there's guys that stand out noticeably as far as their effort and their play that was extremely high and they were given everything they had. It, it, we just did not have enough guys doing that. And that's why things stuck out so much on some of these, on some of these games. And, you know, that's why we felt like we, we needed to, to change some things around. And, you know, we got, we had a lot of good guys in that locker room last year that gave it, gave it everything they had. And no matter what happened, they never wavered and they, they just kept plugging away. And we feel like we've added good pieces to that group. So that's what he went on to say, talking about the lack of effort in that Buffalo game. And so I wanted to go back and look at the game on All-22 on GamePassNFL.com and just kind of look at some guys and see who was getting 
pushed around, who was giving less effort, who was stopping their feet upon contact, just trying to find little clues about what he's looking at there because as a fan, as an evaluator, as an amateur scout, whatever you want to call myself, it's hard to kind of give you a full perspective of that stuff because you don't always know the responsibilities of every player. You don't know the assignments. You don't know what they're being coached and taught to do. However, you can look for certain things. Like I said, when you see a defensive lineman make contact, when he gets absorbed into the rush, into the line of scrimmage, and his feet stop on contact, that's that's kind of a lack of effort. When you see a wide receiver on a clear-out route not put effort into selling that route as if it is the focal point of the offense. That's a lack of effort. When you see a guy making an Olay effort trying to make a block, when you see a quarterback giving you poor footwork, if you guys don't see where I'm going with this, there's a certain list of players that I noted that were less than adequate doing so. If you guys follow me on Twitter, at NFL, you saw the gifs that I tweeted out yesterday afternoon. It was a collection of players that I thought really stood out in that game. And like he said, there were players that stood out in a good way too. And it kind of helped identify the ones that weren't putting in the same effort. So I just started with the top here and the first two names at the top that really, I don't think should surprise anybody. They were already going to be out of the building, out of the team at the end of the season before that game had happened anyway. And of course, Jay Cutler and Julius Thomas, who we all questioned their want to and their effort in 2017 throughout the course of the entire season. And Jay Cutler, I just, I've never seen more self-preservation than that game. What, what, what I mean by that is he was kind of stepping away from throws. He was stepping in a way to kind of hide his ribs, hide his torso, hide his midsection from getting shots from helmets and shoulder pads and everything that goes along with getting sacked or hit as a quarterback. And he was just doing things to make sure that he was healthy rather than trying to execute the offense and make the throws and stand in there and be there for his teammates. And Julius Thomas, the same story all year long, just olaying blocks, letting guys go right by him. And he, it looked like he put the effort into run down certain plays, but he just, when it came time to make contact, there was no real concerted effort there. And the biggest one from him was one of Jay Cutler's 8,000 interceptions in that game. Julius Thomas tries to chase it down from the backside, and he's just loafing out there going after the backside of the play. And the corner that picks it off or the safety that picks it off, whoever it is, winds up fumbling the ball on the other side of the field. And if Julius Thomas had just hustled a little bit longer or harder, he would have gotten there for that recovery because he comes in late into the frame and he is just a tick late trying to get to the ball there to make that recovery. So Cutler and Julius Thomas now and Dominican Sue is the one that everyone wants to know about because he is a big name departure. And I don't think I'm going to downgrade him for a lack of effort. I think there were a couple of plays where he did kind of stop his feet on contact, as I had mentioned, but you kind of look at some of the scheme and the plan there. It could have been trying to hem Tyrod Taylor into the pocket because of his elusive ability to kind of destroy the Dolphins as a runner more so than a passer. And they wanted to find a way to kind of get him compartmentalized within the pocket there so he couldn't beat them in that way and there looked like a couple of plays where he was kind of privy to that game plan and he was kind of responsible for that spy but there were times where he had a chance to get in there he just kind of loafed after so kind of a little bit ambivalent on that one now Devonte parker there was one clear out route where they tried to run a little out route behind him on a clear out on a go route and he just did not hustle it out at all and the deep zone safety sat right there and waited for the play to happen in front of him because parker was able to just run past him and they knew he wasn't going to be the one was getting the football so his effort i i saw that throughout the course of the season i think he definitely is one of those guys and we saw it in the kansas city game too just kind of loafing around the sidelines not doing a whole lot on defense, another guy in the secondary, TJ McDonald, has gotten a lot of crap on this podcast lately, and I don't think necessarily that he's a bad player. I think he has some issues that he needs to clean up. Obviously, he missed eight games and was trying to get it right there and was never quite in sync with Rashad Jones, just like Adam Gase had talked about, but 
from defensive backs and safeties in particular, I mean, linebackers are probably more so of this, but safeties, I want to see a guy that is willing to and, and wants to clean up the pile when it's held up and a guy that wants to come get his shots and wants to inflict a hit onto somebody because those hits add up throughout the course of the game. That's why running backs are supposed to get, you know, fewer and fewer carries every year, it seems like. And I understand the evolution of the safety of the game, but at the same time, a lot of guys that play this game want to be hitting people all the time. And I just didn't get that feel from McDonald in that game. And then Xavier Howard had a play where he did the exact same thing too. So, you know, I'm not going to throw him under the bus for that, but just mentioned it because I noticed it. Now, three guys that I really kept an eye on because two of them are gone. One of them, everybody wants to be gone. It's Mike Pouncey, Jarvis Landry, and Kiko Alonso. And Mike Pouncey, I think, has lost a lot of movement because of that hip, but it's not because of effort. He's out there. He was out there busting his ass, and he wasn't lying when he said he gave everything he had to the Miami Dolphins. And Jarvis Landry is the same exact way. There's not a question about his effort level ever. And then Kiko Alonso, I think it's kind of just like Mike Pouncey was. I don't think that he was trying any less harder. He just can't move the way he used to or, or the way he wants to and it just looks really rough for him out there at times so Jay Cutler Julius Thomas and Dominican Sue Devontae Parker TJ McDonald and Xavier Howard were the ones I noted as negative I didn't really find much wrong with Mike Pouncey Jarvis Landry Kiko Alonzo and I thought that Bobby McCain Rashad or not Rashad Jones Rashad Jones was in there too Kenyon Drake and Charles Harris all gave a really good effort so we're going to talk more about that at the end of the podcast here about that game and some of those players I mentioned but next we're going to talk about the 28. 20- 2008 draft class for the Miami Dolphins and kind of evaluate that where they went wrong talk about the picks that went before and after their picks and just kind of break that down for you guys we are now 16 days away from the NFL draft here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Winkful NFL at Locked On Fins and before we get into that 2008 draft class for the Miami Dolphins, when they held the first overall pick in the draft, I wanted to give you guys another quick reminder on the Dolphins Twitter bracket challenge for best Dolphins Twitter follow at Wingfield NFL. Go ahead and vote for me today. I'm in the final round against CK Parrot, Chris Coffin, the guy that I reference all the time on the podcast. So a fitting end to this little tournament we've had here. But go ahead and vote for me today. Get me into that championship winner circle because I want that hardware. So please vote for me today on there. Let's go ahead and talk about the 2008 draft class and in particular the top of the draft I think is where everybody wants to start with and everybody wants to hear about because the Dolphins had a chance to get a franchise quarterback at the time who had his issues coming out of Boston College because of the fact that he had a lot of turnovers in his final season at Boston College. And the Dolphins went the way of an offensive lineman, the archaic way of thinking. Bill Parcells, of course, had his fingerprints all over the team. They took Jake Long, the 6'7", 315-pound massive left tackle with the first overall draft pick, signed him before the draft even happened. So the Dolphins never got a chance, or the fans never got a chance to kind of be on the clock as the number one pick in that draft. So I was actually the dentist when I when I got that news. I saw the news on ESPN that he had been signed to the Dolphins. And I was really bummed out because I actually wanted Chris Long, believe it or not, who's had himself a good career in his own right. And Jake Long was elite for a number of years at left tackle, but those injuries just wore him down and eventually took his career away from him. So they made a mistake there. Long was a good player. Injuries ended his career way too early, but Matt Ryan definitely would have been the way to go there. Now with the 32nd pick in the draft, the first pick of the second round, the Dolphins took Philip Merling, defensive end out of Clemson. You all remember him for the big interception he had in that Jets game that same season. The pick six of Brett Favre taking it back to the house and putting a big bow on the victory for the Miami Dolphins there in that game. So some guys that were in the range there after that pick, Jordy Nelson was taking a few picks later by the Green Bay Packers, Brandon Flowers by the Kansas City Chiefs, Calais Campbell 
18 picks later to the Arizona Cardinals at the same position. So that defensive end would have been a lot better for the Dolphins. Talking about the wide receivers, Deshaun Jackson went right in front of Calais Campbell. So those are some guys at positions the Dolphins could have need, could have had that year. Remember how bad that receiving team was for the Miami Dolphins, that receiver's room with like Devon Bess and Greg Camarillo and... Brandon London, whoever it was on that team that helped the Dolphins get to the AFC champion to the AFC East title, I should say. So that pick did not work out quite the way they wanted it to. And the next pick, of course, was the consolation to not getting Matt Ryan was Chad Henney, number fifty or the fifty seventh overall pick in that draft in the second round out of Michigan. And some players that went right after Chad Henney there, Martellus Bennett, really the only player that worked out long-term for his team in the coming picks after Chad Henney because the Dolphins, with just a few picks later, took Kendall Lankford defensive end out of Hampton at pick 66 in the third round. Not a lot of big names coming off the board right after him. Jamal Charles, the running back from Texas to the Kansas City Chiefs at pick 73, was there. He went to the Chiefs at that pick, so the Dolphins could have gone that way. But Kendall Lankford had a pretty nice career for the Miami Dolphins, played through his rookie contract, was a starter, had some nice seasons as a 3-4 defensive end. Chad Henney, we all know that didn't exactly work out at all, so his pick was kind of a waste but there wasn't a lot on the board that year right after that pick so not a lot lost but still didn't get good players the next pick was Sean Murphy guard out of Utah State never really played a whole lot for the Dolphins Jalen Parmalee running back from Toledo same story Donald Thomas the guard from Connecticut he was supposed to be a late round hit didn't quite work out that way he got some action he got some action which is more than I can say for these other guys that were drafted here but he never really worked out as a long-term starter Lex Hilliard, running back out of Montana, same story there. And then Lionel Dotson, the seventh-round pick, the defensive end from Arizona. So this draft class, Jake Long would have made it pretty good if he had stayed healthy, but he didn't. So that pick didn't really work out the way you'd hoped it would. The quarterback obviously flopped miserably. Your second-round pick, which was the first pick of the second round, did not work out defensive end. You had a good defensive end, a quality starter for a few years in the third round. So really, you get one quality starter, one elite starter for three years before he starts getting banged up, and that's about it. So that draft class really didn't do a whole lot for the Miami Dolphins and bettering them for the future. So Interesting to see that you can have a really bad draft class that allows you to win a division championship in the same year. Of course, that took Tom Brady going down with an injury for that to happen, but no no production from the second-round pick, Chad Henney. Little production from the second-round pick, Philip Merling. And then beyond that, Sean Murphy, Par- Jalen Parmley, Donald Thomas, Lex Hillier, Lionel Dotson. Zero production from all those guys there. So the Dolphins find a way to win the division with a less than ideal draft class that season. So hopefully it gets better going down the list here, but I have a feeling we're in for a couple more rough years, 2009, 2010. I don't got to go over that history too much for you guys. You know how bad those draft classes turned out to be, but we'll get to those on future Locked On Dolphins podcast. This is the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins. We have one last segment talking about this is going to be my last time I tell you why it's okay to draft a safety with the 11th overall pick, the Dolphins' first-round pick in this year's upcoming draft. So every time I get, I tweet something about one of the safeties, make if it's Patrick Derwin James or even if it's Jesse Bates or Justin Reed later on down the draft, I get the same exact pushback once or twice on every single tweet, and it says, why would we draft a safety if we have TJ McDonald and Rashad Jones? And that has been the case going back to January when I started talking about draft stuff. And I just wanted to make an emphatic statement on why that's okay. Number one, TJ McDonald's versatility within the Dolphins' defense and kind of the things he can do both as a possible money linebacker, as a box safety, he allows the need of safety and linebacker to be interchangeable in a sense because a lot of what those positions do outside linebackers and safeties tend to be matchup pieces that fulfill a lot of the same roles. Now, you're not going to have a linebacker covering deep. You're not going to have a safety blitzing A-gaps too often. 
So there are parts of the Venn diagram that don't match up, but for the most part, they're covering tight ends, they're covering running backs, they're playing run support off the edge. They are doing coverage stuff in the flats over the middle, kind of eyeing the running back out of the backfield, spying the quarterback potentially. There's a lot of things you can do to mix those guys around and put them on certain matchup pieces you want to go ahead and try to take away from the offense. So if you have Derwin James, Rashad Jones, Mika Fitzpatrick, TJ McDonald, whoever it is that you have out there, a lot of these guys that we are talking about drafting in those spots give you the versatility to make those positions interchangeable. So it's not that big of a deal if you go safety or linebacker because one one helps the other. So that's point number one and number two that kind of mix those together. The other point is that TJ McDonald is not really guaranteed anything after 2019. Now we've had Ian Wharton come on here. Other guys talk about how bad that contract was, and I definitely agree with that, giving him a contract sight unseen basically extending him for four years, but the, the cash deal in that in that contract is pretty much going to be done after 2019 with guaranteed money and cap hit money. So you can get out from underneath him if you draft a guy this year, use him as that kind of quasi-money linebacker position for two years, and then move on if you want to do that. So it, the Dolphins are not bound to TJ McDonald, and even if they are, they can find a way to get everybody onto the field because, as you guys all know, it's 2018. The NFL is trending in a direction that's getting more and more speed and athleticism and length onto the field in place of the neck role wearing linebackers so defensive backs over linebackers don't worry about having two safeties when you have one really good one one mediocre one you can always add another good one to that bunch and get your football team a lot lot better in the process and just before I get out of here real quick guys I had a couple of news and nuggets for you guys here I guess not really news just points that I wanted to make and the first one was that Kenyon Drake is just so freaking good what a good football player he is watching that Buffalo game today you really realize some of the mistakes that he cleaned up for the Dolphins offensive line and their offense in general breaking tackles making big runs outrunning guys to the edge running for speed running for home runs running for power he just was such an effective player led the NFL in rushing the final five weeks of the season once he got his call as a starter I can't wait to see what he does in 2018 with hopefully an improved offensive line and more importantly his quarterback back and then Jesse Davis as well the right guard he had a rough time with Kyle Williams at times in that game, but for the most part, he he anchors so well. He has the long arms. He can get that reach out there. He's not super athletic, but he is willing to get there, willing to work hard to get there, I should say, and he's fundamentally sound, and he's going to usually square guys up for the most part. So those two guys really excited for what they can do going down the road for the Miami Dolphins, young players on cheap contracts. Also, the Miami Dolphins had a 30 visit with tight end from South Dakota State, Dallas Goddard. Goddard I don't know how to pronounce it. But he would be a great pick at number 42. You guys can check out Jason Harina's piece on LockedOnDolphins.com right now. He is detailing every single draft visit the Dolphins have had, whether it's Senior Bowl, Shrine Week, the Combine, talking about these 30 visits that they're allowed to have. Dallas Goddard, South Dolphins, Dakota State is the newest one up there. So you guys check that piece out on LockedOnDolphins.com. And I have to make the plea one more time for you guys to please vote for me on the Dolphins Twitter bracket challenge. I didn't make too many requests for it so far, but now that we're in the finals, let's go ahead and bring this thing home at Wingfield NFL. Vote for me over Chris Kaufman, CK Parrott. All right, guys, that's going to go ahead and do for today's podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating, leave us a review, and check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Give me a follow at Wingfield NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins. Follow the flagship show at Locked On NFL, both on Twitter and Facebook. Facebook and check out the number one rated blog in the Locked On Network, LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. Back tomorrow with another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. This will be